my name is Jordan Beal. Um, I have a very weird life. I just say to introduce yourself and what you do, basically. So I'm a worship pastor, um, and then I travel leading worship, and then I produce Christian artists throughout the week. Um, also, I travel to teach worship teams how to play cohesively and how to play by ear. Um, so there's an actual number of universities using my curriculum now. It's called the Seven Theory. Um, something I learned in Bible college um, called the Nashville Number System. How many of you are musicians? Raise your hand. All of you, that's what I figured. So I'm going to give a quick, just a two-minute shameless plug on that. Is that okay? Who thinks it would be a good idea if you didn't have to stare at your music and maybe play together better? That's like everybody, right? I would hope. Um, you're like, no, I like where I'm at. No. Um, so I learned in Bible college about the Nashville number system. And I'm finding over the years uh, that I kept having pastors and worship pastors ask me the same thing. After 12 years of traveling, leading like a Christian concert for an outreach or a night of worship, I had the same question. How did your whole band play that whole set without any music? And most of the songs weren't even your songs. How did you do that? So I, we do that using the number system. So I train people how to know what the number system is and then how to use the number system to play by ear. So I wasn't in the first session. Um, I should have been by making a new friend in the back. Hi there. Uh, but if I would have heard um, on stage what they were playing, I could have grabbed my guitar and played along. And that's what I do. I can teach you how to do that in one session. So that's called the seven theory. If you're interested in having me come out to your church to teach your team how to play by ear, and I know that sounds like weird. A lot of people say, can you really come for one evening and our whole band's going to play by ear? Yes, I promise you. Just read the testimonials on the 7theory.com and you'll see what I mean. I'd be happy to come out and talk to your team um, and all that information is on the postcard. Second commercial, this one's only 30 seconds, is if any of you happen to be interested in production and you, you know, you're a songwriter or an artist and you want to make an album, you can reach out to me. That's the business card for the seller. We just opened our second studio last June. In fact, the engineer is working there right now. He's awesome. Young man, I mentored. He's 20, and he's, he, he's awesome. So anyway, uh, that's commercial's over. Now we're going to get into the heart of it, all right? Who's excited to be here today? Where's the studio? Uh, the Cortland, Ohio. Okay. So it's only three hours from here, um, and it's got everything you'd want. It's got 12... 12 guitars, strats, tellies, Les Pauls, all that. Pro Tools HD, great mics, preamps, all that. So, Any questions on the commercials? All right, if you're interested, feel free to contact me. Uh, in fact, I think that's one of them on here. Yeah, so they want me to give out my contact info, so I'm going to give that to you. It's jordan at innovaterecords.com. So you can throw that in your phone, jordan at innovaterecords.com. And... Um, the cell number is actually on the business card, too, there. So um, I think I told you I serve at Rock of Grace. I lead worship there. Uh, my website is jordanbeal.com. It's just my name or innovaterecords.com, either one. And uh, that's all it. I think that's it. Oh, the building uh, room number. Anybody know the room number? Theater something? Little theater. Little theater. Little theater. Tech guy. Little theater. All right. Talking in the mic. All right. This class is called the Tabernacle of David. This is something that God put in my heart maybe nine or ten years ago. While I was reading, I've always been fascinated with David. Here's young David, you know, 
and God calls him into ministry, and here he's this shepherd boy, and, and then what happens? Man, God elevates him, and he becomes king, and now he's still known by historians and theologians as like the greatest king who ever lived. So the more you look at David, you see what God had done in his life, and the atmosphere, the environment of worship, and what he created, the culture that he created um, using worship music. And so that's what this is about. It's not because I had an idea. It's not because um, I wanted to talk about something. It's because I was reading and I saw a prophetic word in Amos 9, 11. All right? Um, I apologize. I don't have notes for you, but I'm going to make the notes so simple. I'll tell you when the key points are. Amos 9, 11, if you're taking notes. So there's this prophecy where the prophet says this. Then at that time, I will rebuild the city of David, the tabernacle of David. It is now like a house in ruins, but I will rebuild its walls and restore its former glory. And I feel the presence of God even saying that now, every time I read that scripture. Because God is doing that. And you want to hear something wild? God is doing that in the natural and the, and the supernatural. I was just in Israel three weeks ago. They were uncovering... The city of David. In the last year, they found it under a parking lot owned by a Muslim man. Come on, somebody. <laughs> a Christian archaeologist had a feeling. She offered $10 million. Muslims heard about it. They offered twenty. She said, she said, sleep on it. Next day, he said, I'm, I'm convicted by God to sell this to you. And she sold it to the Christian for $10 million. It's awesome. And they're, now, that, sounds, that is astronomical amounts, but I'm just telling you the story. I was just there. It was wild. Uh, they're uncovering it seven layers deep. Seven stories deep. David's, David's palace. So God is doing that in the natural. Now, get this, in the supernatural. Everywhere I go, and I'm not kidding, 60%, 70% of the churches I go to are not Pentecostal churches, which cracks me up because... If you put people on like this pendulum of Pentecost, like I'm way over here, right? Like <laughs> I want the presence of God. I want the power of God in any given thing. And I, so these people Google us. They just Google like Christian band, they book us, and they don't know what they're getting. <laughs> so we'll be doing those song, right? Start prophesying to people and God's presence fills the room. And it's so neat. But I'm telling you what is so cool is God is raising up the tabernacle of David in, in Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Praise Assemblies God. of God, you name it, this is what God is doing in the earth. Now I want you to take off your Assemblies of God hat for a minute and realize the Assemblies of God is a small part of the kingdom. Hey, Vicki. Uh, she's from my church. The Assemblies of God is a small part of the kingdom. Right? Okay, let's all say that out loud because sometimes we, I've met a lot of AG people who need to hear that. So <laughs> say this with me out loud. The Assemblies of God, assemblies of God. is a small part of a big kingdom. kingdom. Alright, so, I want you to hear that loud and clear because what God is doing in the earth crosses um, ba- barriers. It crosses denominational lines. Um, I've been in many non-Pentecostal churches where I walk in and, I mean, they are hungry for the presence of God. They're hungry for genuine worship and it is awesome. So that's what we're talking about today. How, what it is and how to be a part of what God's doing. And, and I know... All of you are already, you know, you're here. That, that tells me you're a part of it, which is awesome. So why David? Why David? First Chronicles 2, 13 through 16 tells us 
that David was Jesse's seventh son. Seventh son, all right? Eight things about David I want to point out. Eight things about David. I know that's a lot, but hey, I have you for an hour, so it's a preacher's dream, right? Not have only have 20 minutes. No. So David was unlikely and unknown. It's your first point. David was unlikely and unknown. Samuel 16, 12 says that Jesse sent out and they brought him. David had a healthy reddish complexion. In other words, he probably had red hair, freckles, beautiful eyes, probably blue eyes. He was fine looking. And the Lord said to Samuel, arise, anoint him. This is he. Now, we can jump to that and be like, oh yeah, David was anointed king. But you might forget the, 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 what set up that story. Okay, David was forgotten. You think you had father wounds. You think you have dad issues? His dad didn't even remember he existed. Okay, come on. You think you have dad wounds? Think about this. The most important man in the land, the prophet Samuel, is coming to your house. Not to visit, that alone is big, but to anoint the next king. You line up, Six of your boys, and you just forget that you have another. I mean, that. Now, I'm writing this down, and I'm like, man, what kind of idiot? And then I remembered, I got four kids. I forget my own kids sometimes. Anybody, anybody ever forget your kids? I walked into Walmart. I'm not even kidding. I walked into Walmart like a month ago, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a baby in the car. And I'm like, I had to go back out and get my baby. I'm not even kidding. I had too much on my mind. But I know some of you hate me. Look, he just looked at me like, what an idiot. But, dude, that's fine, because that's how we fit. That's how we feel about Jesse. Like, how could he forget, right? So maybe he's off the hook because, you know, I got four daughters under seven. So, yeah, it's a lot. there's more drama in my house than the Kardashians. Y'all need to pray for me. Like, you need to pray. You need to call the intercessors and pray for me, all right? I need some prayer and Prozac. Come on, right? All right. So how do you forget about a kid? I mean, he had some serious wounds. Now you know why David connected with God as father so much. Right? And that's what God is doing. He's raising up a David generation in a fatherless generation. Because in America's churches, or in America, we have a majority of young men and women growing up without a real father. Now, what I mean by that is either no father in the home, or they're too busy on their iPhone or watching ESPN. Right? I know it's heavy, but Amen? Amen? So here's what happens. They don't have the affection and the affirmation that they so desperately need. That we all need. And what God is doing in the earth is exactly what he said he would do, which is to raise up a, a David generation right before he comes back, to develop a culture of worship, of Davidic worship. And we're going to talk about what that means. In the earth, right before he comes back, why Jesus is going to rule, catch this, on whose throne? David's throne, right? Isn't that cool? I mean, God is, God is enthroned in his worship. I mean, this, God is speaking right now. I don't know if you can feel it, but God's speaking right now. God is enthroned in our worship. And you get to be a part of the David generation, of the house of David. You know, the David generation doesn't look the part. I mean, have you seen a picture of David Crowder? Come on. That dude looks crazy. Right? I love the guy. He's awesome, right? I just heard him at a Worship Together conference. Um, I was doing the seventh theory at, or what Worship Together. What's it called? National Worship Leader Conference. And he's great. 
But I'm just making the joke that, here's the thing. Sometimes you will miss out on the David in your church if you're thinking like Samuel was thinking. Now here he is as a prophet. He already knows that he from the Lord. But, listen to me, he almost missed it because he said, surely this is the one. Surely this guy knows his music theory. Surely this guy went to Bible college and has a degree. Surely this is the next musician you want at my church. Surely this is the worship leader. Right? Surely this is the king. This is Eliab. This is the strongest, the tallest, the oldest, and he's, he's a great warrior. Surely, and God, what did God say? Nope. Man looks on the, but God looks at the heart. There's a guy I'm hiring in three months. No degree. No degree. But he is anointed. If I've ever heard a David worshiper, it's this guy. Right? All right. That's what I'm saying. That's what God is doing in the earth. He wants to give you Davidic worshipers. And some of you, they're already in your church. But you don't see them. Maybe you don't see past the tattoos. Maybe you don't see past the piercing. You have to remember, the David generation, they're forgotten. They're left in the field. They look to other things for affirmation. You hear me, right? So they might be all tatted up. They might look different than you. They might not have the same clothes that you wear. That's okay. Let God change them from the inside out. Amen? Amen? All right. Enough preaching. I'll get back to the teaching. All right. David was anointed, number two, and sent back out to the field. God, in his wisdom, does this to us. He anoints us and puts us often back in the pasture before he puts us in the palace. And the reason for that is that's where he develops our character, our integrity, and our ability to trust him. And you can always spot someone who went to the palace too fast and didn't go to the pasture first. God allows us to be anointed, right? And what does anointed mean? I want to talk about that for one second. It's not my notes, but I feel like I'm supposed to talk about that for a second. Anointed means God's heaven, heaven's kiss on a person to function in the role, in the purpose that heaven has ordained for that person. That's why you can have someone who doesn't have the degree in the wall, but is anointed. Are you hearing that, right? Why? Because just sim- simply they're sincere. You have Mary, the mother of Jesus. Does she have a degree? Not that I know of. I think she was some random 16-year-old girl. But she drew the favor of, of God upon her life to be anointed to function in that role as the mother of Jesus. Same thing. God has anointed you to lead worship, and God has people in your church that he has anointed, anointed to be your next drummer, to be your next guitar player, to to play an incredible, vital role at your church. So be careful you don't miss them because they don't look the part. Right? Everybody hear that, right? All right. Number three, David thirsts after God. <clears throat> Speaking of that, I'm thirsty. <laughs> David thirsts after God. All right? He, David is more concerned about the presence of God than position. You have to be careful with your worship teams for what I call ladder uh, climbers. 
Some people, if they strike you a little bit wrong, like they just want to get on stage, then you need to listen to the Holy Spirit and not let them be on stage. There's one reason why we have so much unity at our church, in our worship department. It's because one of the reasons I'm willing to say no when the Holy Spirit gives me a check. You guys hearing that, right? So, never make a leadership decision out of compassion. I did that one time. I'll never do it again. So one time this lady kept begging. <clears throat> it was her third time begging. And I said, okay. But inside the Holy Spirit's like, don't do it. Uh, and I gave in. And I learned from that. So let the Holy Spirit, back to what we were saying in point two, tell you this person is sincere. Amen? You guys are quiet, man. Aren't you, aren't you guys assemblies of God? I thought I was in a Baptist group here for a while. Man, <laughs> y'all are like, need my coffee. All right. David, had, David felt God's hand on his life at an early age. I want to read to you Psalms 27. One of my favorite, this is one of my life verses. He says, One thing I have asked of the Lord. Psalm 27, 4 through 5, if you're making notes. <clears throat> one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek or inquire for, insistently require, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, His presence, all the days of my life. Now let me interrupt myself for a second. Once you experience the presence of God, nothing else compares. Nothing. Nothing. And if you haven't yet experienced the presence of God and you're not sure what I mean, let me just tell you, you're missing out and you need to seek it until you find it. You need to go away to a cabin. You need to drive to North Carolina. Ignore your spouse for a week. I don't care what you got to do. You got to get away and find out what David meant when he said, the one thing that I want more than anything in my life is to be in the presence of God. Now, I want, you to, I want to tell you what he didn't say. The one thing I want more than anything in, in my life is to be on stage. Is that what he said? Right? The one thing I want more than anything in my life is to play that rock and guitar solo perfect. All the guitar players just chuckled. Uh, the one thing I want in my life is to hit these harmonies so tight. I mean, like Andre Bocelli's just going to come up and high-five me, right? I don't know. I don't know what's going through your head. But some of you are like, oh, that was me. Okay, the one thing you should want in your life, and I know, I know it's supposed to be a teaching, and I apologize if I'm preaching, but I hope I, this, this is my prayer is that you come to the heart of God in this. All right? You got to want the presence of Jesus in your life. And if you don't, I don't know why you're sitting in this chair. You're in the wrong room. You're in the wrong room. In fact, this is a college. You might as well go to the next building and look for the music department. Because that's, that's where you're ready to go. But if you say, you know what, no way, I do. I want the presence of God in my life. Then you need to know that and insistently search for it. Open your Bible. Read it. Talk to God throughout the day. Shut off the radio. Some of you need to shut off worship music so you can worship. Right? right. right? Yeah. You need to find a place where it's just you and the Lord. This is what David did. Now notice God did not say, in the last days I will rebuild the tabernacle of Moses. He didn't say that. Do you know the tabernacle of Moses was perfect? I've been in a lot of beautiful churches that are perfect, and I, it feels like I walked into a funeral home. Right? I'm telling you, because I get booked to do this seven theory stuff, and I'll walk in, and I mean, it's gorgeous. The sound is amazing. 
And everybody's going, how great is our God. Like, seriously, like 2,000 worship leaders. Worship leaders. Great is our... Like they're, like they're Tina on, like, they're about to feed the llama. What's that guy's name? Like, I'm not kidding. No life, no passion. And I'm like, do you even know Jesus? Do you even know that he rose from the dead and that he's in heaven and that he's going to come get you on a white horse, fire in his eyes, sword in his head? Like, they don't... Like, do you know the story? You know? And here's what I'm saying... Here's what I'm saying. I'm all about the tech stuff being right. Believe me, I'm anal about that stuff. I want it to be right. I send the songs to the guitar players and I say, memorize the riff, and then I meet with them on every Monday to make sure they memorize the riff. I look at the lyrics to make sure it's right. Right? So that's good. That's good. That, but that's just common sense. Like that's, okay, so now let's put common sense aside, and let's just say, most of all, more than anything, we what? We are entertaining. We are hosting the very presence of of God. And this is what David did, and this is what God is doing in the earth. And I'm telling you, I am so thankful. Number four, David's worship. We are right on time. That's awesome. Number, number four. David's worship in the field prepared him for the battle. Do you know in worship you develop the confidence that you need to overcome the obstacles later? And if you don't develop it in worship, in an attitude and in an intimacy with the Lord, it's out of your own strength and it's out of arrogance. And then you'll end up falling. God did not say, I'm raising up a Saul generation. Do you know Saul will always kill himself? Saul will always fall on his own sword. But David, right? A David, and if you let God develop a a David heart in you, then amazing things can happen in real life outside of Sundays. Amen. You listening, right? Hopefully you're hearing this. Monday through Saturday through Sunday, when every day of your life is an act of worship. Every day. Every day, every moment. Do you know when I edit a song and I'm editing the snare drum? Do you know that's an act of worship? Do you know that? I know, that sounds kind of dumb. Some of you are like, you know, I pour coffee for a living. Do you know when you pour coffee and you hand that coffee to that person and you can look them in the eye and give them a, a word from Jesus and say, hey, God still loves you. Yeah. And the Lord says, you know, their husband, whatever, this or that. And you just say, you just give them the love of Jesus. That coffee, that pour in the coffee, that put, whatever it is that you're doing, every day is an act of worship to God. I want you to get that in your spirit so deeply this morning. Worship is not 25 minutes on stage on a Sunday. I know you've heard that before, but maybe some of you need to hear it again. You are a worshiper. You don't do worship. Right? You and I are children of the King. Do you know, do you, know you, will, you will be frustrated until you discover that your primary purpose for sucking air is to worship? Do you know Isaiah 64 says, I created you for the praise of my glory. Do you know if an innovator innovates something, an engineer designs something, when Orville Wright designed the airplane, right? When people design something, if it doesn't function, 
as it was designed, there's frustration. And there's a lot of people I meet who are great guitar players, and I wouldn't want to hang out with them because they're, they have this frustration and angst that just like reeks from them, right? And then there's people who, they may hit a bad chord, right? They may be like, what the heck is a G-sharp minor 7th? What's a 7? What are you talking? What is this A-U-G? What is this augmented? What is that? Is this pig Latin on my chord chart? And yet they're the sweetest, they're the sweetest person. They love Jesus. They, and you want to hang out with them all the time because they emit the presence of Jesus, right? That's, what God, that's who we should be all week long, loving Jesus, emanating a love for Jesus, a worship for Jesus in every part of our life. Amen? The way you love your spouse, for some of you men, if you don't do the dishes, don't come on Sunday and lead worship. You need to do the dishes first, and then all of a sudden God's going to start doing so. I don't know who that was for, because that wasn't in my message, but somebody, that was for somebody. Somebody doesn't want to do the dishes, then the Holy Spirit just convicted you. Anyway, all right. A few things about Saul. Don't be Saul. God used to be with Saul. Do you know that? You know, God used to be with Saul. You know, God doesn't make mistakes. You know that, right? So they wanted a king, and he didn't want to give him a king. Do you know that? God didn't even want to give God's like, I'm your king. And they're like, no, everybody else has a king. And it sounded like just like Americans, didn't it? Yeah. Well, they have it, so I have it. Well, they have an iPhone. So, well, they have an iPhone 9. They have an iPhone 19, so I need it, Lord. Yes. Right? And that's what they did. Like, we need a king. And God's like, okay, I'll give you a king. So he appoints Saul. Saul started out good. He started out right. But what happened? All the praise, all the accolades went to his head. And then what happened? He stopped being obedient. Now, simple obedience is always more important than public worship. I want you to hear this loud and clear. Simple, personal obedience that nobody knows about is always more important than public, right? Public worship. Because listen to what happened. What made the crown come off of Saul's head? disobedience. Some of you remember the story. Prophet Samuel comes up and says, I want you, God says, destroy all the people. They're evil. They will not listen to me. They will not, they harden their hearts and destroy the livestock. And some of you are nodding, so I'll make the story quick because you know it. And he says, and he says, great, I did it. And he says, what's that bleeding of sheep that I hear? Oh, I'm going to worship. I'm going to take those to the temple. See what went, see what went through his head. And Prophet Samuel knew this because God told him this. He basically said this, Saul, you're so concerned with everybody seeing your worship that you're not actually worshiping. And for that reason, the anointing is now off of you. Wow. That's heavy. I don't know about you. I don't want that to happen to me. I want to be so sincere and full of integrity and honesty that if I mess up, God tells me or prophetic person tells me or friend tells me and repentant and sincere and God can continue to use me. Again, again, I want you to don't misunderstand me. It doesn't mean God anoints a perfect person. No, God anoints an honest, sincere person. God will always, God forgives you when you screw up, but you got, you got to admit that you screwed up. You got to repent. Amen? See, Saul, when confronted, lied instead of repenting. 
Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 through 7, the prophet says, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love. Man, I love that. And I've had a few heart-to-heart talk, talks with some young people where I can tell they, and adults too, where I can tell they want, man, how do I say this? So they, their, their love for God isn't there. But I'm ready to be on stage. Put me in the game, coach, right? Put me on stage, Pastor Jordan. So you've got you to gotta be careful first for your own heart, but as a leader, to, to look for people who have a heart of David. You know what just hit me? I know I've never, I've preached this like four or five times and never thought this. I bet David would have been happy and content in the field. Do you know why? Someone who's so thankful for their salvation doesn't care if they're trimming the bushes or on stage. But if you're faithful in the pasture, then God will sometimes anoint you to go in the palace. Amen? You guys are quiet. Amen? Amen. All right. It's time for David generation to rise up. Number five. David, even as king, worshipped God freely in the spirit. He wasn't concerned about what people thought. Do you know that? I mean, when the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant, so let's talk about that for a second. They stole the Ark of the Covenant because they saw it as a, a lucky charm, as a rabbit's foot. They're like, hey, Israel always wins, and there's always that big golden box with them. Remember, they're very mysterious. There's lots of gods... Right? Let's take the big golden box and we'll start winning. Now that's the PJV, this is the Pastor Jordan version, but you get the idea. That's really what they said. So they took the box, they took the Ark of the Covenant, and what happened? They put it, they took it off the poles because they don't know the instruction, and they put it on boards and big wheels. Anytime you put the presence of God on a board, and a big wheel, there's going to be a problem. I'll let some of you guys think about that later. I'll just leave it right there. I'll, I won't leave it right there. I talked to one guy. <laughs> I talked to one guy, and he's like, well, you know, I just can't, I can't go over 23 minutes because this guy, you know, he's the board member and he donated the soundboard and he told me not to go over 23 minutes. I said, so a board member is leading worship, not you. And he's like, well, okay. So hear what I'm saying. It's a play on words, but the principle is the same. Anytime you prostitute the leading of worship of God and you put it on boards and big wheels, there's a problem. needs to be what God anointed. Amen? All right. What did David experience in the manifest presence of God? Now this, let's make this interactive. All right? So I'll, I'll start. Dancing. Joy. What else? Joy. Joy. Singing. What else? Freedom. Freedom? What? Fun. Fun. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> we have a lot of fun in our church, and that's important. I told a guy one time, I said, man, you always look constipated when you sing. He's just like. <laughs> I said, Do you, are you having any fun? He's like, yeah, dude. I said, but, well, you've got to tell your face that you're having fun. 
Some of you, I don't know who that was for. Somebody needed to hear that. If you're not having fun, if you're having fun, tell your face. Smile. I got to sit under Lyndall Cooley in Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, which has really shaped my, the way I see ministry. And man, that dude had fun. I mean, every song, he's like, every song. And sometimes he's sitting like a B-flat dominant set. I don't even know what's happening. I just put on my wall pedal, waka, 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 waka. And it was fun. It was fun. What else? So we got dancing, fun, joy, freedom. freedom. We need a few more. Because I want you to think about the Psalms. What did he say? He's, he's on the temple. He's on, he's on Mount Horeb. He's got a tent. It's literally a tent with the ark in it. And what happens there? What are some of the things he says? Praise. Praise? But what else? Undone. There we go. He's honest, right? Lord, I've screwed up. I've screwed up again. Right? What else? So honesty, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. What? Alive, yeah, right? It's alive. It's lively. It's, it's organic. It's, it's for real. Isn't it? And that's what God is doing in the earth. Now, I'm not saying like you get on the mic and you're like, yeah, on Saturday I was tempted to... You don't, you don't, have, to, <laughs> you don't have to do that. But you can bring some honesty through the songs that you're, cho- you're choosing and you can say some things tactfully about whatever you're going through, right? That's good. It needs to be honest. It needs to be transparent. It needs to be alive. It can't be so stale. And this is what happens sometimes. And I've been in some, and we've all been in these atmospheres. I was in a conference where John Bevere was speaking the other day, and I was like, if he's not going to say it, I, like I'm, think, I'm thinking he's going. I know I'm. I don't know what he was thinking, but I know I was thinking this. So this girl, it was fake being alive. Now, I'm not trying to be judgmental, so that's the last thing we want to do. And as worship leaders, we can all accidentally do that. Has you guys ever done that? Oh, I would have done that differently. Oh, I would have played that song differently. Oh, guitar riff was off, right? So we all have to guard our hearts against that. But in, in, in truthfully, this is what it was like. This girl was just, she, she, was just, she probably wore a whole, it was kind of like a dog on a leash, like just in this circle, and she was doing this, Right? This is like Britney Spears. I'm like, if she sings Baby one more time, I'm going to lose it. Like, because that's what it was kind of like. Am I being too honest with y'all? I'm sorry. Am I being too for real? Okay. I'm just saying, it, was, it wasn't true joy. It was what I was told to do by the... Thank you. Stage. It was like, hit me, baby, one more time. I don't know what she said, but it was just, it was just 20 minutes of this. And songs nobody knew. <laughs> and I'm just like, girl, if you would just mean what you're singing, we'd all be excited with you. But it was so, it was just like, her, like literally, like no smile. And I just like, yeah. And I'm like, man, that is not. Anyway, I just wanted to take her out for coffee and hug her. But anyway, give her a Snuggie and Jesus. But anyway, all right, David. Number seven, David chose to praise God no matter what his circumstance. Even if his own family abandoned him, when the king of Saul, the person who, right, he's taken his place, becomes jealous and tries to kill the dude, I don't know when the last time you're working for it, like, threw a spear at your face. I mean, come on, you got a picture of this, right? Dude's trying to kill him. No matter what, David 
still love God. Wow. Do you know that's your most powerful time of worship? I'll just be honest with you. My last, my last year, personally, has been like the hardest year of my life. Hardest year of my life. Wife's going through something terrible. She can't sleep. And it's like, right? Just big time test. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into worship and I'm like, Lord, I had two hours of sleep right now. I'm so done. Right? And the Lord's like, worship me anyway. Worship me anyway. Now you say, is that faking it? No. Because right emotions follow right behavior. When I, exactly, when I choose to say, you know, I'm going to sacrifice, even when I don't, even when I'm tired and I'm frustrated and maybe the tech guy showed up late and the lyrics are right or the background, he's got a Christmas background and we're singing Jesus on the cross and I'm like, (laughs) right? You have these, anybody else have those moments? No? That's just my church? Dude, one time I had an Easter thing and Jesus was in a manger. I'm like, it's Easter. <laughs> Can I tell you that? He's not an infant right now. You know? I'm like, I'm going to choose to laugh, but I want to smack you. You know? That's what I told him. He laughed. It was cool. But anyway, what I'm saying is when you're, when you're frustrated, That's right. when you're frustrated, you got to still what? Worship and praise. And again, not fake. Don't misunderstand me. Not fake. But sacrifice choosing to praise God. And when you do that, that, guys, I'm telling you, personally or on stage, that can be the most powerful time of worship with the Lord, is when you choose to worship no matter what. What did David say over and over and over? I choose to bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at what? All times. At all times, no matter what. Okay, number eight. I'm running out of time. Number eight. David was faithful. David was faithful when he was tested in the field, so God gave him a palace. David was faithful when he was tested in the palace, so God gave him a cave. David was faithful when, God, when, God, uh, when he was tested in the cave, so God gave him an army. Come on, right? The army came and said, hey, David, we're with you. God gave him uh, an army, so God gave him a victory. David was faithful when he was tested with a victory, and so God gave him a legacy. And do you know, a lot of people don't pass the last test. Do you know the hardest test of all is the victory? Don't, isn't it? Do you know why? Because then it's like, I want to tell everybody what I did. Right? No. The minute, the minute God checks your heart, like, oh, don't say that. That's out of pride. Then stop saying it. Right? Am I being too honest again? No. Can I be real? Right? Now, there's sometimes you're sharing a testimony, and that's awesome. But there's sometimes, I've had a couple moments, Right? Uh, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I've had, I've had many moments where I'm just in conversation and right about to say something the Holy Spirit says, don't say that. That's out of pride. Never mind. Why? Because if God can control your tongue, then he's got your heart. That's what Paul talked about. Right? So be careful when God gives you a victory. That's a test too. And you won't have a legacy unless you're tested with that victory. Unless you choose to give all glory to God. Amen? So I want you to hear me. I want to talk about this for just one more minute because I really feel the Holy Spirit on this part. If things are going great in your ministry, great. Keep praising God for that. Even if you're using a sure system that you made up or whatever, fine. But always point it to God. Somebody compliments you, right? You can't be like, well, yeah, I put in this system to place that's beautiful. Steve Jobs would have loved it. 
No, it's, man, praise God. Amen. Just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Amen? Amen. God's raising up a David generation. David's ecosy, uh, ecosy, legacy echoed throughout generations, and it still resounds today. First Chronicles 6.31, David appointed song leaders and choirs to praise God in the tabernacle after he placed the ark in it. Then when Solomon built the temple at Jerusalem, the choirs carried on their work there. Your diligence in creating an atmosphere for the presence of God in your home and in your church will raise the bar. Now I want you to hear this because I was telling Danielle this last night. I was going to sleep, my wife. I said, I've never said this before, but this is so neat. When God raises up a David, he raises up a Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? It's the people around you. I mean, think about what God did in the earth through David. Right? The economic blessing to people. Right? When God raises up a David, he raises up a Jerusalem. And if I let him raise the David in you, people around you are going to start rising to that watermark. Amen? Amen? People are going to start rising at watermark. And what, is, and what does the prophet say? In the last days, the city of David will rise up, right? Like a, like a bride. She'll shake off the dust. Isn't that cool? That's you and your people. That's your people that you get to lead worship every day. But do you know what creates a legacy? You know, when Josiah, young Josiah, was eight years old, he becomes king, which I think is absurd. Absurdly awesome, but absurd. Isn't that crazy? But God knew what he was doing. I don't mean absurd in a bad way. I just mean like the definition of absurd. It's, it's interesting. It's wild. He's eight. I mean, my seven-year-old, she can drink a sippy cup. Like, she drinks Capri Suns, right? Like, she's seven, one year behind. So God did something amazing in, in young Josiah, but man, the dude had a good head and shoulders. Because what did he do? He said, I don't want to be like all these evil kings. Now, I want you to think, what did he say? I want to be like David. My great, 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 great grandpappy David. Now, that was a man of God. I want to be like him. Think about that. Now, don't miss the point. Your worship, what's your name? Tommy? Tommy, your worship, your worship will change thousands of people. I don't care if there's only 60 people in your church, it doesn't matter. Tommy's worship, right? You, you hear me? 20 years from now, if Tommy is passionate for 20 years and he's legit, loves Jesus. Young Billy over here, he's in third grade, he's getting guitar lessons. He's way over here. Nobody knows his name. He's like, oh, dude, but Tommy, Tommy loves Jesus. I want to be like Tommy. Billy can become a worship leader and God may... Bless his ministry, and there's a thousand people in that church. Do you get? You hear me, right? You have to think legacy, what God can do in your life, and you can't think about just the number of people that are on stage with you now, or the number of people that are in church. God, and this is just an extenuating blessing. This isn't why. This isn't the why. This is just the effects, right? The why is to glorify God, to have a relationship with God. And now I'm just talking about the blessing of what the David generation does is that it raises the watermark where other people say, oh man, I want that in my life. 
Man, Tommy, he always has a smile on because he loves Jesus. I want that in my life. That's a, that's a life of worship, an attitude of worship. And when they see that in you, man, and I think they, people do see that in you personally, what happens is it inspires them to want that. And I want to be like that. I want to be like that person. Let me tell you what I don't want to be like. I had an interview yesterday with a guy I want to take over my company. The interview went great. But let me tell you what stood out out of nowhere He said this. I said, I'll choose my words carefully because he was really transparent. I said, tell me when you came to Christ, when you, you know, you really start serving the Lord and what that means to you. He's like, man, I just want to do things right. Now, he was in a rock band for nine years and said I was in alcohol, women and all that. He said, I just came to Christ back a year and a half ago. So this guy's fresh. So then I'm like, oh, Lord, it's not as saved as I thought. <laughs> but then the Holy Spirit's like, does that matter? <laughs> you know, maybe I'm bringing him to you to mentor him, right? So I'm thinking all these thoughts while he's talking. And then he randomly says this. He said, man, I just don't get it. He's like, I've called three or four worship leaders around here to get in touch. And they're swearing on the phone. And we hang out. They're vulgar. And they're telling me about movies they're watching. And I'm like thinking, aren't you a worship leader? Guys, that, that broke my heart. I mean, it breaks my heart saying it now. Yeah. My heart dropped. Yeah. My heart drops just saying it now. Can I tell you something? Don't be that. Amen. Don't be like that. Don't get up on stage and sing How Great Is Our God Amen. and then Sunday night watch something terrible on Netflix. Don't do that. Amen. That does not glorify God. And that is not what God wants out of your life. God wants sincerity, authenticity, and here the point, other people want and need that. It's a miracle that this guy didn't, it didn't lose his faith over those couple conversations. And I had to tell him, I said, I just want to let you know that's not everybody. I just want to let you know. That's some worship leaders, fine. I said... But I'm just telling you right now, I'm doing everything in my can, everything in my ability to serve God. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm, I make mistakes like everybody does. But I'm not faking it. And I'm telling you, there's going to be some people who are, and that's just the reality of life. And I just encouraged him. Mm-hmm. Praise God that you want... He, here's what he said. I want to be the type of worship leader and Christian that my daughter wants to marry. And I was like, Praise man, I'm like, God, this guy... You know, even though he's, like, rough around the edges, you know, and he's got, like, tattoos and stuff, and he's got this really, like, the rocker hair. If you know what I mean with the rocker hair. It's like, dude, he could just get on a commercial, like a Pantene pervert. He could just be like. <laughs> right? Because I mean, it's just, like, this big, wavy, like, gray and black, like, you know, that, just that look. And he's rough around the edges and doesn't say things quite Christianese, right? But, man, is he sincere. And, you know, I'll take sincerity any day. Any day over polished. Now, I like polished. It's cool if you call it polished. But I'll take sincerity over polished any day. And that's what this guy reminded me of. He was very, just like David, he was just being honest. He's like, look, I'm talking to these guys, and that's not what I want to be like. And all I asked him was, tell me about what Christianity means to you. And that's what he said. In other words, I want to be legit. I want to be a man. I said, so you're telling me you want to be a man of integrity? He said, yes. I said, man, that's awesome. That is awesome. And isn't that what it means to serve God? to be honest, to be broken before him, to let him forgive you and wash you clean. Last few things, then we'll wrap it up. 
David set such an example under worship to God. Again, the prophets didn't say, I will rebuild the tabernacle of Moses. Now, there's nothing wrong with the tabernacle of Moses. God, God had made instructions, didn't he? Make the curtains this long, make them this thick, use these colors, use this fabric. There was instructions by God, and those instructions were executed. But God said, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. David. And here was just this tent on a hill. I mean, you got to picture the cherubim, the angels, over the ark. Right? The top, the lid of the ark. You know when he said, I rest under the shadow of your wing. Sometimes you got to close your mind. Or close your mind. <laughs> don't, don't repeat that. Close your eyes. <laughs> close your mind. No, I'm fine. Close your eyes and picture this. He's on a hill. The sun's rising up in the morning. sun's casting shadow over those the lid, the cherubim, wings, and he's just resting in the presence of God. When's the last time you just laid down in the presence of God? Some of you are so busy making sure that chart is transposed to the key of B flat and then given a capo chart for your guitar player because he's too lazy to play believe that. Anyway, some of you are so busy doing that. A little, little jab. No, some of you are so busy doing that that you're not taking time to just spend in the presence of God. Now, we all need that reminder. I need that reminder. I'm a very type A. I preach this to myself all the time. Like, literally every time I hear this message, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I needed that. How many of you type A personality? You're like, I got 100 goals, and I'm going to meet them all this afternoon. Give me some more coffee. Anybody? No, no, she's just like, I'm just sitting in my beanbag chair, drinking my latte. Long for the ride. You're sleepy right now? Awesome. All right. All right, I want to just close with this. Worship like David means that spirit-led prepares you for battle. We talked about that. Actually, I want to talk about this spirit-led part real quick. I can't go into all of it, but I just want to talk about it for a second. Bob Sorge, an author of many great books on worship, uh, one, of, one of my favorite books on worship is called Following the River. So can you write that down if you're taking notes? Now, by the way, if you're like, I've never read a book on worship, I encourage you to read a book on worship. You know, you don't get a return on investment if you don't invest. So invest some time into reading and learning about worship, which is why you're here today, which is great. That means you're, you're here to learn. That's a great book, Following the River. And he says, rivers don't follow straight lines. Service orders, song lists do. The river of God, this is good stuff, isn't it? I read this about nine years ago. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. The river of God, in contrast, doesn't follow straight lines. It follows an unpredictable path and changes. You could be in time of intimacy when suddenly a spirit of celebration will erupt. And this happens at our church every week. Do you know what, do you know what I hear almost every week? Almost every Sunday, I'm telling you without fail, someone comes up to me and says, it's so crazy, first service is so different than second. Isn't that weird? I'm like, it is weird. But the reason is we have a set list and we practice, but there's, God always wants to do kind of something new and and we're being led by the Spirit. Why? Because that's what Jesus wants us to do. Holy Spirit is here to give glory to Jesus. If you look at the Trinity, right? This is a teaching from um, Jack Hayford. that was excellent on, on worship one time. He, he said this at a conference. God the Father always points to Jesus. Jesus always points to the Father. I don't see anything. I don't, right? Now check this out. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. Isn't that cool? And that's what John 14 says. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so he reminds you, leads you in all truth, reminds you of everything I've said. 
right? Leads, to, and what did Jesus say to the woman at the well? There's going to come a time when people just worship in spirit and truth. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're in this synagogue or that synagogue or that church or this church or Pentecostal or Baptocostal or Metha, whatever you are, right? As long as you're worshiping in spirit and in truth, letting the Holy Spirit lead you. Amen? That's, it's got to be that. Now, again, nobody walk out of here and say, Pastor Jordan said, you know, we don't need order services, and those are religious. No, I did not say that. <laughs> I'm all about order service and meet a shout or planning center, whatever you want to use. You know, you need to go in there with a plan. But you need to always surrender the plan to the Holy Spirit. Why? He's the worship leader. You're just facilitating that team. Right? You're stewarding that team. But he is the worship leader. This is why in a given Sunday, the Holy Spirit will say, try this song. I'm like, oh Lord, I've never sang that song or I sang that 10 years ago. Are you sure? And he'll jab me, right? Just sing it. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And you know what? The church sometimes will help me out. And it's what happens. The minute we listen to the Holy Spirit, the elevation of worship, the Spirit of God fills the room, right? And sometimes it's simply just going off that set list. It's just the Holy Spirit saying, do this song. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it. And it's, it's a leap of faith. You have to, sometimes it's not something you've dip, never prepared. But just try it. Go out on a limb. Do you, know, do you know, go out on a limb? Someone said to me one time, well, I don't know if I can go out on a limb. I said, Jesus is already out there. That's right. You're talking about going out on a limb. He's already there. He's the one saying here, you know. Join, join me. Come on in. The water's, water's deep. Water's good, right? All right. Hey, I'm going to close like five minutes early because I want to just open up for thoughts. I know this isn't really a conducive for Q&A because this is not a technical. This is nothing like seven steps to, you know. Uh, but any just comments or questions about what we talked about in the Tabernacle of David and what that might mean or just something I said that resonated with you or a question? And I probably won't know the answer. Yeah. Do you allow for the uh, Holy Spirit Yes. Yeah, one thing we'll do in the future is, is what I've seen in some other churches where when they have a word, they're going to know that the protocol is to come to, me, well, to come to the pastor. That's because there's been a couple of those awkward moments, someone shouting something and everybody feels, right? And so the pastor does reconnaissance or whatever you call that, right? <laughs> The Holy Spirit gives gifts. <laughs> and sometimes they're wrong. No, he doesn't say that. But there's been some of those moments, right? So you can avoid that with that. But nonetheless, 95% of the time, that happens in our church and it's a beautiful thing. And sometimes it's somebody on the mic over here and sometimes it's a random person in the church. And just like the, just like the New Testament says, it's in decency and in order. In fact, if someone starts to talk at the same time, one person will be quiet immediately. It's really neat. And, and we don't even have to instruct them on that. Because the Holy Spirit's in charge of the service. Go ahead. That's my five-minute warning. Somebody else? That's a great question, by the way. Um, I've heard conflicting opinions. When there's a, a prophetic word yeah. or a message in the tongues, um, should the keyboardists continue to play during those? Yeah, sure. It's a good question. I always go to my volume pedal and I just back way off. So it's just barely on. The point is, your goal is that everybody hears it. 
But there is something that's kind of like the party died feeling when all the music stops, right? All the music's gone, it's just like... <laughs> so I just, I just back my volume way off. In fact, I had to mentor my sister in that exact thing last week because my sister just moved to our church. And I said, hey, I said, when there's something like that, just dial your, dial your volume back to two. You're at 10, dial it to two and just continue to play. You know what I mean? So you, because you want to be flexible, the, the thing you want most is that everybody hears the word, but you're also facilitating atmosphere. You know, you don't want to just stop playing altogether. Now, sometimes I will. It, for, let me give you an example. Someone's giving a word and it's kind of quiet, then I stop playing. Right? Okay. It's a great question. Now, that's another great question. I'm glad we're doing Q&A. Yeah? What was six? What was point six? I don't want to tell you the wrong one. David, what's, what's interesting about David, eight, faithful, seven, worship no matter what. Six is he had a deep passion to know God intimately. A deep passion to know God intimately. Yeah? Did you hire the guy? Huh? Did you hire the guy? It, uh, no, it's yesterday, so he's got to think about it. There's a, there's a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts? All right, one last shameless plug. I love practical help. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an inventor. I used to take apart alarm clocks, and I got shocked, and I'm like, oh, I'm never doing that again. But I remember thinking I wanted to create things. That's to this day why I love making music, and uh, I just like creating things. Well, this seventh theory, and I'll just give 30 seconds on it, and I'll let you go. I get random emails, random, that I'm not even asking for testimony, and they'll, they'll email me and say, Thank you so much. My team follows me now when I follow the Holy Spirit. Isn't that neat? They do that because they hear the numbers. They hear, oh, he's playing rooftops. One, five, six, four. You hear it, and you play it. So if you would like, interest, if you would like information on that, just go to the7theory.com. It's on that postcard. And you can either download training videos, or I can come out to your church. All right? Hey guys, thanks. I really appreciate y'all coming out.